This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, later on today in Westminster, the British government will proposed legislation that will unilaterally change the Northern Ireland Protocol and many people believe this will be a breach of international law. It will certainly anger the Irish government and the European Union and it is really, on any fair analysis, a breach of trust between the British government. Uh, They signed this document and it appears they did so in bad faith. But to discuss uh, the document, uh, the new um, legislation, which we will be seeing later on today, and the implications of it, we're joined now by Newton Emerson, who writes a column every Thursday in the Irish Times and also uh, writes for the Sunday Times in the North every second Sunday. He's one of the most interesting commentators on the North, and it's a pleasure to welcome him to the stand. Newton, thank you very much. For joining us, it's a big day today in terms of the big reveal of what the British government is proposing. You've caught sight of what they are proposing. How radical is it? Is it Liz Truss radical <laughs> or, or is it something milder? Well, I've had the same advance briefing as everyone else, and uh, a lot of a lot of that has appeared in outline in the in the press already. It does appear to be the the more maximalist interpretation of the bill it, it, it goes for uh, four areas that's not just the sea border it also disapplies the uh, the protocols VAT restrictions it's um, uh, it's subsidies it's state aid subsidies and uh, and, and also um, it removes the uh, the, the, e, the European Court of Justice or it puts it to one side and, and restricts it to just interpreting EU law yes. Uh, so I don't think there's, there's not too many surprises in in, in there really uh, um, in any of that stuff. Now it's it, those are compromises that have been discussed all the way along. I think that what really stands out for me is that this is aimed at getting the DUP back to Stormont, and the government has been quite specific in other briefings in putting it up to the DUP to move on that. So. What I have heard is, that, I mean, the, the, these bills, right, they, they need to get through the Commons and the Lords, and they need to have three readings in the uh, in, in the Commons, basically, on a, on a committee stage, and the government is expecting the DUP to move at every reading. So it'll have the first reading today, 
and then the government is uh, expecting there to be a restoration of the assembly before it, uh, it has another reading and before the uh, the summer recess in Westminster which is July 21st it wants the DUP to nominate a deputy first minister and restore the executive as well uh, and that's that's uh, really quite uh, uh, you know a drastic putting of the of the DUP on the spot um, people talk about the British government negotiating with itself, but it's very clear that it is negotiating and playing quite hardball negotiation here with the DUP. Uh, some of the early briefings here and reports say that the, the government expects this movement in order to demonstrate to the EU and Washington that what it's doing can at least stabilise the uh, the Assembly and the Executive instalment. And that's, that's, uh, that's going to really put the DUP on the spot. Yes, and there was a poll... Uh, published uh, last week in the Belfast Belfast uh, Telegraph, it was a lucid talk uh, opinion poll, and in a very good column and quite amusing column you wrote for the the Irish Times last Thursday, you said the DUP would be quietly horrified by this poll because the poll showed that three quarters of unionists support a boycott of Stormont until the Brexit protocol is changed or removed. And the figure rises to 92% of DUP voters, which really means that the public opinion um, in, in unionism is taking a much harder line uh, than the leader, Jeffrey Donaldson. Absolutely. And it gets even worse when you look into those figures. Of that 92%, 40% of DUP voters expect the protocol to be completely removed, which Jeffrey Donaldson has never offered. He's only talked ever about removing the sea border. And part of the proposals today uh, will fit in with that because this green channel versus red channel model, a sea border for goods going into the EU but not staying in Northern Ireland, means Jeffrey Donaldson can say to unionists, well, I have removed the sea border inside the UK. Yes. It's a pretty pretty technical distinction. It's a bit like the declare or nothing to declare line at the airport. Uh, um, and, you know, you, you walk through the nothing to declare line, but there there's still a chance you might get taken aside. Uh, yes. You still have to be checked occasionally. And the Green Channel will be the same. There'll be all sorts of checks. In fact, they'll be all over Northern Ireland. They'll be in the market checks. Uh, you could say it turns the whole of Northern Ireland into a sea border if you wanted to take a troublesome interpretation on it. So, so Jeffrey Donaldson has been very clear all along about what is realistic, what can be achieved, what negotiations can be achieved. He's tried to moderate his language so that he's not caught out at the end when he has to do the deal he inevitably will have to do. But unfortunately, it's over. It's been oversold to unionist voters. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. The, the the fact that nearly half of DUP voters think they can have the sea border removed is a bit of a disaster for the DUP. It means that having walked his his voters up yes. this hill. How is he going to talk them down again? And one thing that will help him do that is the hysterical complaining and reaction from Dublin, yes. uh, e the EU, from Irish America. This is, um, uh, while rather aggravating and stupid, is very useful to the DUP uh, in trying to persuade its own voters that they're getting a lot more here out of Westminster than they really are. The fact that the British government is delinquent in many respects, that... Boris Johnson is a proven liar, and he lied to the DUP, he lied to the Irish government, and it appears, Newton, that when they signed the agreement to leave the EU uh, at the very last moment, and then called an election which they won with 80, an 80-seat majority, that he had no intention at any point 
in honouring the Northern Protocol aspect of that EU agreement. In other words, this was a premeditated, cynical act. Uh, uh-huh. well, well, I think that like, 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 most, like most convicted liars, Johnson uh, simply sees the world as his own truth. Yeah. And uh, rather than saying, I'm signing this deal with my fingers crossed and I'll do whatever I like afterwards, he will have thought, well, you know, you can't be serious about actually implementing this in full, which was, I think, not, not an unrealistic expectation because the protocol, as originally agreed, is unworkable. The EU has conceded that itself by dropping the medicine seaborder, for example, and not implementing the food, the agri-food seaborder. So uh, he probably thought, well, we've rushed into this and we'll sort it out later because that very much when you look back at it is Johnson's style he just says whatever is required to get him through the moment and then patches it up and thinks that his force of personality can fix it later that's that's what we've that's what we've done here but your point about lying to the DUP is why this phased return to Stormont is so interesting because of course the DUP can't trust him either no the initial I mean Theresa May for example in her deal the customs union remained yes and it was a much better deal for everybody and it, was all, and, and, it, and it was also a backstop, whereas the protocol is, is yes. a front stop, yeah. if you like it. It will always happen. Uh, and, well, how did, how did the DUP get into that? Well, its inability to compromise and to accept anything less than, uh, than a perfect answer for the union meant that it could never settle for anything less. And so it kept saying no as the deal got worse. This is, of course, the classic fault of unionism throughout its history. It keeps saying no. And the next time it gets back to the table, yes. it's it's in a worse position. And the DUP just kept doing that. It just happened in a rapidly accelerating process with these meaningful votes over a course of weeks. You could see unionism's key fault playing down in a, in a descending arc as it, as it just went down and down and down. Of course, it, yeah. the DUP was responsible for then bringing Boris Johnson in. But... But that's why this uh, th- th- this deal on the readings of the bill and the return to Stormont is so intriguing because it's it's as if the government has decided we can't ask the DUP to trust us. The original plan was get a bill through its first reading or, or table it in the Commons and expect the DUP to go back to Stormont at that point. But uh, the government knows it can't be trusted, that Johnson can't be trusted. And so it's, it, there's a confidence building process built in here for the DUP. With each reading of the bill, the DUP will take a step closer to Stormont and so on. And hopefully by the middle of the summer, they'll have got everything back together again. It's believed by some people that Johnson will have trouble with his own party in the Commons, in the House of Commons, because there is so much opposition to him and because many Tories believe this is a break uh, with international law. And also in the Lords, it can be held up um, on timescales that are different from the ones you've just uh, referred to. Well, now they're only talking about getting this through the Commons. Uh, then the Lords can't hold it up. They can't sink it. No, they can't uh, they sink can, it, they can, but they can, they, they can... They can hold it up for a year, and that's why, um, that's why uh, you've got this deal, this phased return quickly, because Stormont properly collapses at the end of October. Yes. That's when this caretaker period it's in it's in ends. And it's it, got it, s- it desperately like all uh, parliaments uh, and all legislatures in this time of crisis, cost of living crisis in particular for ordinary people, you definitely do need a functioning parliament and an assembly that can make decisions. Well, <sighs> Uh, there's precious little evidence that Stormont could do anything about the cost of living crisis, to be honest with you. But the fact that people 
consider it outrageous that it's collapsed during this crisis yes. creates its own that creates its own political reality during the last collapse the three-year collapse up to 2020 uh what eventually forced the parties back was a um nhs waiting list crisis now stormont has only ever made the waiting lists worse there's no evidence it makes it better it, it it it's politically impossible for it to implement the necessary reforms because they mean closing small hospitals or downgrading them and no political party here can do that so actually uh it doesn't make any it's not it's irrational to force stormonts back into business to yes. fix the nhs but yet that's what happened in the new decade new approach deal and so that that uh, reality is again being created yes you're right over the cost of living crisis can we just look at, at one particular aspect of the protocol and indeed the changes overall to Northern Ireland status with, say, the border in the Irish Sea. Mm-hmm. Unionists have said that this changes their status mm-hmm. as outlined uh, in the Good Friday Agreement or the Belfast Good Friday Agreement as everybody has taken to calling it now. In this respect, the Good Friday Agreement ensured or said to the unionist community, your status will not change uh, within the United Kingdom without your consent. Now, this very proposal for a border down the Irish Sea, it actually does change in psychologically uh, and in material ways Northern Ireland's status uh, within the UK, does it not? Well, it does. You could say Jesuit. I don't want to. I don't want to bring them into it. Things are bad enough, but <laughs> the, but there is a change there. They are different from the rest of the UK in terms of their ability to trade with uh, the Republic and with Europe. Yes, I think that. Part of the problem with this argument is is everyone's been trying to stuff it legally into the framework of the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. And really, that really that argument cancels out. Uh, the first people to try that, in fact, were nationalists who said Brexit breaches the consent principle because yes. we're being taken out of the EU against our will, and the, the EU gets an incidental mention in the preamble of the agreement. And uh, th- that was found at every level of our legal system, at the High Court and the Supreme Court and so on, to nonsense. So if Brexit doesn't breach the Good Friday Agreement, then the protocol doesn't either. Basically, would be, uh, I mean, that would be the rough, rough analysis of it. Now you can start getting into um, great technicalities of the of the law here, um, but I think that in terms of trying to paint a big picture of how the Brexit and protocol fit into the the Good Friday Agreement, I think you should say that the two of them cancel out. Yeah. That doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that they aren't a political reality that they don't really profoundly affect people's sense of identity. That's why we don't have a, a hard border. Or we can, nobody supports a hard border. It's also why unionists object to the sea border. It's why nationalists are tormenting unionists that the sea border is heralding the end of the union, even while saying yes. it doesn't create a united yeah. Ireland. It, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's a great double standard. I think that the, the way to resolve this is to say that those things all cancel out as well. Um, there needed to be... Bre- Brexit is, is something being done against the nationalist community and the protocol... Is, uh, is rejected by the unionist community. They need to uh, find a way to understand that um, you know that they both got to give a bit here, and that's why this this red and green channel model has a con- it offers a conceptual way of uh, of resolving that. Because if you're 
moving uh, the uh, the EU's border to to Larne effectively, but but leaving the internal UK border open. That's the Green Channel. Yeah. What you can say is. This isn't a sea border, it's the land border administered by the sea. Think yes. of it that way. So consider initial unionist and UK proposals talked about moving checks back 10 miles to Banbridge, 20 miles to Lisburn. That was unac- considered unacceptable. Well, now we've moved them 50 miles back to Belfast and Lorne. Yep. There you go. There you go. There you go. Isn't, isn't, isn't everyone happy now? Isn't that the answer? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sir, let me ask you about this moment for unions. You have Sinn Féin at 37% in the polls down here mm-hmm. and uh, seemingly certain to lead the next government. Yes. You have the prospect, if the Assembly returns, of a Sinn Féin first minister in the north, mm-hmm. uh, and they are the largest party there. And you have this incessant talk, north and south, of a border poll. Uh-huh. How much damage, fear, trepidation, unsettled feeling is this causing unionists? And I'm not talking about Jim Allister or Jeffrey Donaldson, but just people who are by conviction unionists. Well, and, not as much British. Not, not as much as I think uh, Sinn Féin uh, uh, would like. Um, the, the, the assembly election result there in May yeah. showed the unionist population splitting three ways to take three different votes on Brexit. Uh, and, and not rallying around the DUP's insistence that it had to be the largest party to see off a Sinn Féin first minister right. and, and, and talk of a divisive border poll. That was the DUP's entire election pitch, and it didn't work. So 
I think that um, I think unionists are ironically uh, rather confident of the mechanisms of the Good Friday Agreement, which means yes. you know you can have an Irish government that is firmly committed to United Ireland and is not required to be impartial about that. Only the sovereign government in Northern Ireland has to uh, administer Northern Ireland uh, uh, impartially among its people. So uh, you, you know you can have a Sinn Féin government in Dublin, you can have a Sinn Féin largest party in Stormont, but there's no majority for a United Ireland. So on paper, that you know. Uh, you know, it doesn't really make it doesn't yeah, make any on difference. On paper, it doesn't. But in but your in, mind, in, well, in, in your re- mind, you see a future. Well, you see, this is the other thing that you've got to realise, which is that if you live in Northern Ireland, you've been hearing this all your life, right? Uh, you know, it's it's a United Ireland round the corner. Yeah, all all the time. I, I remember hearing people talking about this when I was a child, and uh, it's obviously the, the the electoral numbers now for Sinn Féin are extraordinary, but yet they're no different from what nationalism ever had. Yes. Uh, uh, throughout, you know, the 50 years or so, I, I you know, of my life. So, uh, you know, there's, the, the big bang for Irish republicanism has not really, it doesn't really feel like it's happened. Yes. Uh, and, and in fact, there is, there is, of course, another consoling myth unionists are telling themselves, which is that uh, a Sinn Féin government in the Republic uh, will be uh, bad for the cause of United Ireland. Okay. I don't think that. It might, I don't think that. It might, it might well might be. be. <laughs> it might be. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Sinn Féin obviously is very aware of that too, and will be taking every possible step to avoid it. Uh, another thing, of course, I think that uh, that you need to understand about unions is that the prospect of uh, Fine Gael or Fine Foy losing power uh, is not one that causes uh, much much loss of sleep or sadness. Really, I right. Mean, now, <laughs> who, care? who cares? No, I think we might have found the key to United Ireland. <laughs> everyone, everyone unites against Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. The in the recent assembly elections, the most interesting um, and encouraging fact for many of us was what's been described as a surge for the Alliance Party. I think they got um, uh, eighteen, ninety percent of the vote, but they. No, they got they got thirteen and a half, which actually was down from the sort of eighteen percent they were polling, and down on the the elections, the general election performance that they had in twenty nineteen. So there was uh, right, no so, surge. Well, right, and compared to the last assembly election, yes, they they did fantastically well. And of course, very transfer friendly, which is why they picked up a lot of seats, a lot, a lot, a lot more seats. But in fact, the alliance surge. On, on the evidence of, of May's poll may have peaked. And this fits in with some research that's been done by Queen's University and Ulster University, a long-running poll, actually, the, the Life and Time survey, which shows that Northern Ireland is becoming more polarised, but around three polls, that is, yes. Unionist, Nationalist and other, all of those three identities exist and people are more firmly committed to all of them. Yes. So that you'll find that, um, that you have the, the radical centrist really is not quite Correct, the correct politically correct term for an alliance voter, but you'll find that today's alliance voter, rather than being, um, you know, a rather relaxed and sort of middle of the road kind of person who's uh, trying to sit on the fence, to use that awful expression, is in fact quite an angry remainer and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and really, really has very, very strong opinions about social issues and so on. Yes. So we're, so we're not, we're, we're tripolarizing. That's what's, what's happening. Right. Now, let me ask you about uh, the generation that didn't know the pre pre Good Friday Agreement generation, which they they would be uh-huh. what twenty four now. Other speculation about the demographics in the north suggests that the younger generation is not so polarized, is not so 
hung up, if if that's not the wrong phrase, on identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I as between nationalist um, and unionist, and that they offer hope for a future. This is what people say down here. Well, this was originally the model of how the Good Friday Agreement was meant to work. They were meant to build a centre ground from the middle out. Yes. That was meant to be the UUP and the SDLP did that, and they made a, a hames of it, obviously. Yep. So then the, the governments switched quite purposefully to a totally inside-out model at St Andrews of building consensus from the edges in. They encouraged the DUP and Sinn Féin to form a government and uh, and tried to hope that they would be dragged to the centre. They haven't. That, that hasn't worked. And so we now have, again, this this, this third model emerging of, uh, of an exasperated middle bubbling up between them. Yes. And... Uh, you know, perhaps perhaps the slightly more confrontational edge to it makes it more realistic. But I I, I think that um, there's little sign of the SDLP or sorry of Sinn Féin and the DUP actively wooing alliance voters. Really, you know, they yeah. uh, there's still quite a lot of hostility towards them. The, the the unionists are just turned against alliance completely. Sinn Féin is so begrudging of every vote it loses that uh, it, it's uh, it can't it can't cope with the idea of having an electoral rival anywhere. I mean, yeah. if you've seen you've seen the way that it attacked people before profit for taking a few votes off it in West Belfast, yeah. it can't it can't cope with cope with uh, coexisting with alliance. So we've got a rather spiky three three sort of three block model emerging now, and uh, Brexit it, Brexit is very has very much radicalised alliance. I think that's why Brexit is such an important issue. When you look forward, Newton, is there a way out? of the traps? Is there a way out of where people are stuck at the moment? There doesn't appear to be, from where I'm sitting, I can't see it. Is there a way, a a realistic way, given this delinquent government you have in London at the moment, this Liz Truss effort, or if it's Brandon Lewis, these people are just throwing red meat to the hard right in the Tory party. And this isn't a serious effort. Well, um, in terms of, of, of resolving Brexit, I think that um, the protocol as originally envisaged wasn't ever going to be properly workable. And the only hope of, of patching it up was to have an extremely close, friendly, yes. cooperative relationship between Brussels and London, which was never on the cards because um, Brussels now sees itself as having a, you know, a trade rival, obviously a third, a, a third country. The UK is a third country. Why would you do it any favours? So I think we were always going to have to have a more realistic arrangement. And the unfashionable thing to say about uh, the UK government strategy is it works. It's working. Uh, Brussels, Brussels won't move until the UK acts like this. Uh, that's how we've got the unilaterally extended grace periods. Yes. The N6M grace periods. It's how we ended up with the medicine sea border the UK just said, are you really going to make us block medicines into into part of their own country? We're not going to do that. And so, you know, so of course, the, the EU just gave up because it was a completely ridiculous expectation. Yes. So um, there is a room, there is room to play hardball and there is the realistic possibility that at the end of this process, we will actually have a special arrangement for Northern Ireland that functions because it is not predicated on having a a, a, you know, a, a cuddly relationship, which was never really on the cards in the first place. And as for Stormont's, there needs to be reform of power sharing. That was built into the Good Friday Agreement. It was meant to have a review of all these structures after three years. It has ongoing review mechanisms in them. 
Uh, and there have been major changes to how power sharing works over the decades, the creation of an official opposition, for example. So uh, we need to, and there is, a, there is an, an unparalleled, an unprecedented consensus now to start addressing power sharing so that one large party can no longer collapse it. We've right. had the DUP do it, we've had Sinn Féin do it, uh, and that, that uh, licenses the great, uh, you know, the, the the great point that all Northern Ireland politics needs to move forward, which is proof both sides are as bad as each other. So now, having having <laughs> resolved having resolved that beyond question, we can start looking at ways to reform that system. And there's huge public support for that and appetite for it. So if we could get uh, a storm that can't collapse, yes, uh, built around a a decisive alliance block. Then I think that uh, I think that there's much more progress to be made along the originally envisaged lines of the agreement. And a final question, Newton, about the Northern Ireland economy post Brexit. We hear and read uh, down here that the Northern Ireland economy and businesses are prospering. Uh, uh-huh. There is an obvious advantage for for foreign direct investment in the arrangements as they are at present with no hard border. Is that true? Right. Well, I was talking to a colleague about this last week who's greatly amused by this new era we're in where nationalists proclaim Northern Ireland as an economic miracle and unionists (laughs) are saying it's a failed state. Uh, The statistics that everyone has seized on, which show the Northern Ireland the only region outside London that's growing, those are actually experimental statistics based on historical data from the Office of National Statistics. And the ONS has put out a warning saying this isn't designed to uh, to um, include things like the protocol, unusual yes. protocol. So it's it, those, that statistic is nonsense and is likely to be debunked shortly. Um, but the other thing to, to note about protocol effects, of course, is uh, currently we have the good without the bad. We have access to the EU yes. for our manufacturing industries. We don't have an agri-food seaborder, which is going to be massively, well, it, it wouldn't work at all. Yeah. So... Uh, so, of course, the protocol at the minute looks great because we've only got the good half. So uh, that, that is something to consider as well. But I think, the, the, I think the, the conclusive word on this was now from UUP leader Doug Beatty last week. He's uh, testifying, I think, in Westminster, said he speaks to manufacturers and firms all over his constituency. And some of them are doing very well out of the protocol and some of them are having a disaster. Like any major economic change, it affects businesses very differently. And although BD didn't mention any businesses, uh, he has uh, major pharmaceutical manufacturers in his constituency, Galen and and, uh, and, and so on, who are um, obviously doing very well out of this. Although they've, they've set up um, a kind of front operation in Dundalk where they can rubber right. stamp a, yeah. approval and keep exporting. They've planned for this as well. That's, sorry, that's Almac, Almac Pharmaceuticals. But then you have other, uh, you have other firms, uh, anybody needing to import stuff from Britain is uh, is really in big trouble. So, yeah, and faced with a form that's eighty pages long. Yeah. So you know, when you made a, when you made a fundamental economic change like this, um, you needed a government in place committed to exploiting the advantages, mitigating the disadvantages, establishing. Uh, confidence and security that this was a stable arrangement and wouldn't change. Certainty is what businesses need. We don't have any of that at the moment. That's the big problem. Okay, Newton, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the stand. Newton Emerson is a columnist with the Irish Times. You can read him every Thursday. He also has a column every second Sunday in the Sunday Times and writes also for the Irish News in the North. We're grateful to Newton, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.